Welcome to Politics and Psychology. I'm Dr. Renee Carr, and please introduce yourself in the chat or on social media. Today, we are talking about multiple personalities and gender confusion, the connection. I'm also going to be showing you a few clips of two different individuals experiencing multiple personalities, so it might be a little bit longer, but I tried to keep it as close to 20 minutes to make this episode, you know, still short for everyone. So, but for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, please also give your thoughts or questions in the comments section below. And I also want to send a special thank you to every single person who has commented, liked, or subscribed. And by you continuing our conversations after these episodes, whether you agreed with me or not, it really helps us to all share in discussing how science can help improve our lives and our country as a whole. So thank you very, very much. Dissociative identity disorder used to be called multiple personality disorder and multiple personality disorder was also known as split personality. The name of the diagnosis was changed from multiple personalities to dissociative identity because after being able to study this condition across several decades and across several cultures, it was realized that it was not multiple personalities. Instead, it was actually only one personality, but the person was subconsciously splintering off different parts of his or her personality, that one personality, so that now he or she had multiple identities, but not multiple personalities, and that these multiple identities are completely different from each other and apart from each other, but that they still work together. So let's introduce Jess, a young girl with dissociative identity disorder, and going forward, I'll just call it DID. So let's listen to Jess. Background, I am diagnosed with PTSD, dissociative identity disorder, major depressive disorder, social anxiety disorder. Okay. Now, let's hear how Jess explains her dissociated identities. There's Alex, Max, Casey, Quint, and Jade. They're all living in this body with me. Now, here is a clip of our second individual, Jenny. She is also explaining what DID feels like. As people were created, Eric made them an internal landscape where they live, and he gave them their, their list of rules, and because everybody's got rules. So in both examples, the person is aware of being one personality, but feeling as if they have other identities inside of them. The term dissociative in dissociative identity disorder is actually a disconnection and a lack of continuity between thoughts, memories, physical surroundings, actions, person's consciousness and that person's personal identity. So now let's examine gender identity confusion. Let's cross-examine those. And this is also known as gender dysphoria. In gender identity confusion, individuals experiencing an intense psychological distress or impairment is related to a very strong internal feeling that they are born in the wrong body and that they have an internal feeling that they are also of the opposite gender. So when you look at DID and gender dysphoria, in both diagnoses, 
we can see that individuals feel a strong disconnect from their own bodies, they have a strong disconnect from their own psychological identities, and they have shared experiences of feeling disconnected from reality. In addition, in both DID and gender dysphoria, a person will feel and behave that they have an identity within them that is of the opposite gender and that they did not choose the experience of having this different identity. So let's listen back to our second person, Jenny, explain this experience. Well, we prefer multiple personality disorder. We understand that some people prefer the term dissociated identities, but... No, mine aren't dissociated. It's not like we woke up and said, oh, I have to do something unpleasant. This is my job. I don't want to own that, so I'll push it away. That's not part of me. That's not how we worked. So let's look at some of the differences on how DID and gender dysphoria develop. This is one of the main differences. So DID is developed as a psychological response and as a common coping mechanism for trauma. This can happen in adults and children, but it most often unfortunately starts in childhood. For children, the most common causes of DID are sexual trauma, extreme physical abuse and torture, a combination of a child experiencing both sexual trauma and physical trauma, emotional neglect or abuse, experiencing a near-death experience or event, or being threatened with death. In adults, we can see many soldiers and military personnel experience either combat trauma from war crimes and their torture that they experienced as a prisoner of war, that can lead to the PTSD or it can lead to DID. This also for DID is also seen in many rape victims, male or female, that they develop the DID during the rape if at that time they experience themselves as though they are floating over their bodies when the crime was happening and they were looking down and feeling sorry for the person beneath them. So they had a dissociation of that body experiencing that trauma. In all instances of DID, we have to understand that DID is a survival and coping mechanism from very painful, harmful, and traumatic experiences. It is the subconscious creation of the other identities that have different roles in that person's life and that helps the person to survive or to at least feel protected. DID happens because of PTSD, because we go through a childhood trauma and it is so traumatizing, it is so horrible that we need to split our identity into different pieces so that pieces can protect other pieces, if that makes sense. First off, let's start with Max. When did Max come into the picture? When I was four, Max came in as a six-year-old boy um, and that makes sense because I needed an older brother to take care of me um, and my biological brother, uh, he didn't really take care of me so um, it made sense to me that there had to be a, like an older brother figure to take care of me. So in dissociative identity disorder, we have a very clear understanding of the causes of this disorder. 
We don't, however, have a same understanding of the causes of gender identity confusion. So in gender dysphoria, we know that it is a new diagnosis for a newly emerging disorder. For this research, for this reason, the research is limited on the exact causes of it. However, when you look at the realities of social pressures, politics, and fears of quote-unquote being canceled, combined with a widespread push to promote and encourage sexual fluidity, it's no surprise that the reason why this diagnosis is so new is because it's a newly socially and environmentally influenced condition. And think about it when you compare it to autism. Autism is still a relatively young developmental disorder and it's affected by new variables in our society. This includes toxins in the environment, GMOs being introduced into our foods, chemicals in our waters, food dyes and food colorings in children's foods and candies. So a lot of new environmental and social practices are being introduced into the human diet and that is linked to disorders that are coming out when it comes to developmental disorders or psychological disorders, and autism is one of those. With gender dysphoria, however, the only known factors associated with this new condition is the new social encouragement and the new social sexualized grooming of children by media as well as the parents themselves. And the only symptoms, quote-unquote, are children either saying that they feel like they are born in a different body or it's parents reporting that children are playing with toys made for the opposite gender, that their child is hating the color pink or not liking some other superficial association with that child's gender. What is also different is that gender dysphoria, unlike almost every other developmental and psychological disorder, gender dysphoria disorder is not linked to observable or objective biological symptoms. For example, with clinical depression, we can see changes in the prefrontal cortex and hippocampus. We can also see low levels of serotonin. In schizophrenia, we see dopamine, abnormal eye movements, and even protein levels as biological indicators of the presence of schizophrenia. And in dementia, we can see dysfunction in neurotransmitters. But in gender dysphoria, there are no such factors of biological dysfunction. In fact, gender dysphoria is the only condition in which healthy biological functioning is either suppressed, blocked, or removed. And in the absence of any biological symptoms, this is one of the reasons why in 1973, the American Psychological Association removed homosexuality from our diagnostic and statistical manual as being a psychological condition. Um, this is, of course, in response to lobbying and other social pressures as well, obviously. Um, but they did this because there was their claim was that there was no biological support to classify homosexuality or homosexual behavior as a disorder. And indeed, there was no biological support to justify this is a disorder. But when you look at this historical fact, it's very ironic to now see the LGBT community fight so hard to contradict itself by saying that homosexuality is not a psychological condition, but then also refuse to say 
that homosexuality is still a sexual preference. So there's a bit of um, hypocrisy going on there. Now let's look at the actual observation of a person. This is Jess, who is actively experiencing a state of dissociative identity. Now these clips are a little bit longer, but you'll get a chance to see Jess not only have her face and her body change and then her voice change, but you can see how these are in response to her memory of a traumatic experience. And you can see the new identity take over. So let's begin. Um, my alters never age. They come as the age they are. So Max came as a six-year-old boy and he's still a six-year-old boy. Uh, and all of my alters never age. Um, and I'm the only one that ages because as the body ages, I age. So I'm 19 years old. Why do alters exist and why did Max come into my life? Well, Max is a protector. All of my alters protect me in some way, shape, or form. Um, Max keeps some super traumatic uh, memories from me, so he blocks those out and I don't remember them. I have huge memory gaps in my childhood. Uh, and Max sometimes makes decisions for me, uh, but it's always he always has my best interest in mind, so I trust him with things. Uh, Max is strong, so all of the alters have like a hierarchy. Max is actually on the top of the list. He's the strongest. He's been around the longest, and he has the most power. So next, Alex. Alex is a 13-year-old girl. She came when I was 13, and as a fellow 13-year-old, she was my friend when I was 13. Um, that was back when I was bullied in middle school, and uh, Alex taught me how to be sociable, and how to make friends, and how to maintain friendships. Um, and Alex knows a lot about makeup, and clothes, and fashion, and hair, and all that stuff. So I trust her with all the girly stuff. Uh, Alex likes to dress up, play dress up, and like play doll or whatever inside her room. Max likes to read books and look up uh, videos on um, Max likes to read books on physics and uh, watch videos on multi-dimensions or whatever. Uh, Um. Hi YouTube! Oh my gosh! <laughs> Just started to film! I was so afraid that she was not going to allow me to do this, but I started this YouTube channel and I'm so excited. Max and I... Oh, sorry. Hi, my name is Alex. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm so excited to meet you all. and. If you have any questions, just comment down below and maybe we can make another video or make it, maybe we can do a Q&A or something about this. But I love, love, love YouTube and I love this community and I love everything, how resourceful it is and how fun it is to just binge watch YouTube videos. So I'm so excited I get to do this. Um, so Jess was talking about DID. Uh, okay. Yeah, so about our house. Um, we have whatever furniture we wanted there. It's like our imaginary little world, you know? So 
we we can make up stuff if we really want to. We have a giant spiral staircase and and um, posters everywhere and pianos and uh, um, um, giant beds and stuff like that. And when we go into our little rooms, um, it's like a whole different world when we go into each other's rooms, but we tend to not go into other people's rooms if we can help it. Unless someone is like rushing us into a corner, then we have no choice. Um, sorry, I'm talking way too fast. I'm gonna have to edit this. <laughs> but I think Jess covered all of this, actually. She did a really good job. And anyway, uh, see you later. <laughs> Bye. So as we can see, Jess is still remembering the abuse and her brother not being able to protect her. And that when we see her experiencing those memories, that's when she begins to change and another identity begins to emerge or at least tries to emerge. She tries to self-soothe by keeping her face calm. She tries to focus and concentrate and even rubbing her cheek to try to calm herself down. But unfortunately, we see in a few clips later that the other personality did emerge. And to not make this video or this episode too long, I only used one or two examples. But in all cases of DID, every single individual does not have only one other identity, meaning they have at least two or three and in the case of Jenny, who was the older lady from Australia that I showed you, she reported having as many as 2,000 identities. And this is another connection with the LGBTQIA plus community. So more and more letters are added because just accepting one form of sexual identity or gender identity is not enough. Not that it's just trying to just take all the alphabets in the world, but because it's a way of trying to make sense and a way to try to make peace and to reconcile an identity and sexual confusion. And it's a hope of trying to get rid of the psychological distress of not having a normal human experience. Excuse me. But just because you are adding in different letters, it does not mean that you can actually change your gender and it does not take away the person's actual confusion or hurt. Similarly, with DID, one disconnected identity cannot make the abuse stop, nor can it make one identity completely heal all the other identities or the original person, which we're seeing is called the host. It can't heal the host from having experienced trauma. And that's why more and more identities emerge. So when we look at the connections between multiple personality disorders or dissociative identity disorder, and also gender identity confusion or gender dysphoria, we see the connections to be that one, both diagnoses are most often made during childhood. We also see that there is a shared experience of feeling like you have an internal identity that is different from your external appearance. The individuals have a strong disconnect from their own bodies they also have a strong disconnect from their own psychological identity. They have a shared experience of feeling disconnected from reality, and they have a shared feeling of being detached from their sense of self and their own sense of their emotions. Additionally, gender identity disorder and dissociative identity disorder 
In both cases, a person will feel and believe that they have an identity within them that is of the opposite gender and that they did not choose the experience of having a different identity and that these symptoms will cause clinically significant distress or impairment in their social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And the last and most tragic connection is the shared abusive role of the parent or caregiver. Specifically, in DID, the child has been horribly abused, neglected, tortured, or traumatized at the hands of his or her own family member or multiple family members, and most often it's the parent or the step-parent. In gender dysphoria, it's the child's natural, biological, and sexual identity that is permanently altered by a parent and most often to only satisfy the parent's own dysfunction or the parent's own insecurities. So in both diagnoses or disorders, the biggest connection is a child or an adolescent being significantly and sometimes permanently harmed because of the self-centered beliefs, desires, or agenda of an adult. Well, that ends our time for today, but please continue the conversation and remember to do so using science and love. And if you run